Joanne Ozug, and you are listening to The Road to Carnivore, episode 19. In this episode, we are going to discuss the claim that meat causes cancer. I get asked about this all the time, and I find that so fascinating because there is not a single controlled study that shows any link between meat consumption and an increased risk of cancer. This is just one of those things that everyone hears and repeats so people think it's true. One of the most important things that Carnivore has taught me is how important it is to question everything you hear. And that even includes me. This is why I share show notes so you can make your own judgments and draw your own conclusions from the information I'm sharing. So let's dig into this meat causes cancer claim and look at where this narrative even came from. As I said, there aren't any controlled studies that show a link between meat consumption and an increased risk of cancer. Where this meat causes cancer narrative comes from primarily is a 2015 paper published by the International Agency for Research on Cancer, or IARC, which is part of the World Health Organization. They gathered a working group of 22 scientists from 10 countries to evaluate the carcinogenicity of the consumption of red meat and processed meat. In the report, they state, The working group assessed more than 800 epidemiological studies that investigated the association of cancer with consumption of red meat or processed meat in many countries from several continents with diverse ethnicities and diets. This statement that they assessed 800 studies is questionable for a couple reasons. First of all, one of the scientists in that working group, Dr. David Klerfeld, has publicly stated that this is untrue. Additionally, in the actual report, they only use 14 of those studies in their analysis and conclusion. But even these 14 cherry-picked studies are unconvincing, to say the least. The studies they used were all epidemiological studies. These kinds of studies cannot prove causation. Dr. Klerfeld talks about how observational studies are supposed to set the stage for more focused, controlled research. If you get a really positive association in an observational setting, you think, hey, there might be something going on here. Let's explore this. It's a starting point, not necessarily a conclusion. And what's shocking to me is that the majority of these 14 selected studies didn't even demonstrate a positive association between red meat consumption and colorectal cancer. Of the remaining six that did, only one was statistically significant. And it was a study of Seventh-day Adventists looking at risk of colon cancer. The authors of the study reported a positive association with total meat intake at a 1.85 correlation. And if you read the study, you'll see them discuss the nuances of the lifestyle questionnaire that they mailed to the subjects, and consequently, many of the limitations of this setup. For example, they note that of those subjects who consumed meat, no data was available on the methods of cooking or the processing of the meats. Because of the unreliability of observational data gathered from self-reported responses and questionnaires, for you to infer a hypothetical cause, there should be a pretty dramatic correlation. Just to give you a comparison, when scientists established a link between lung cancer and smoking using epidemiology, the positive association was around 2,000%. Bottom line, these observational studies cannot prove that meat causes cancer. End of story. But even the fact that the only statistically significant finding from their list of studies is a 1.85 positive association, that strikes me as pretty lame. I've linked to an interview on Peak Human where Dr. David Klerfeld, the scientist I mentioned who was part of the working group for developing the IARC report, shares some of the bias and disturbing ways that evidence was dismissed. 
He describes his IARC experience as the most frustrating experience of his professional life and says that he believes that many of the scientists who came to this group had their minds made up before they arrived. In the interview, Dr. Klerfeld says he raised concerns numerous times and was repeatedly ignored. In one discussion, he brought up two controlled studies that had been published looking at breast and colon cancer. Both studies showed that the omission of red and processed meat and a diet high in fruits, vegetables, and grains did not lower risk of cancer. Dr. Klerfeld said in the meeting, what about these two studies? And the response from one of the epidemiologists was, these studies were not designed to study red meat, which Dr. Klerfeld says is true, but that neither were any of the observational studies that were used. Dr. Klerfeld then talks about how, in nutrition research, you always view interventional studies as much stronger evidence than these observational studies that can't prove causation. And it's pretty wild that there were at least two controlled human studies showing that a quote-unquote healthy diet low in meat and comprised mostly of fruits, vegetables, and grains made no difference in cancer risk, and yet these studies were tossed aside. Dr. Klerfeld also brought up a couple of rat studies that one of the scientists in the group had actually published, where rats were fed bacon and then given a chemical that induces colon cancer. And eating a diet high in bacon actually reduced the precancerous lesions. He said the working group ignored this too, and he was dismissed multiple times when he tried to bring up the importance of these studies. He also shared in the interview that he believes there was a lot of personal bias and that there were quite a few vegetarians on the committee. He said they had a group dinner at a restaurant the first night, and he was sitting next to one of the staff members from the World Health Organization and expressed the view that the members of the working group should disclose if they are vegetarian, because that's a conflict of interest. And the staff member replied that she was a vegetarian and changed the subject. Where the plot thickens is that in 2018, another paper was published in response to these IARC claims by the Nutritional Recommendations Consortium, or NutriRex. They discuss quite a bit in the paper who they are and how they went about creating the panel, but they state they are an independent group with clinical, nutritional, and public health expertise skilled in the methodology of systematic reviews and practice guidelines who are unencumbered by institutional constraints and conflicts of interest and aiming to produce examples of trustworthy nutritional guideline recommendations. In their 2018 paper, they say, the World Health Organization International Agency for Research on Cancer has indicated that consumption of red meat is probably carcinogenic to humans, whereas processed meat is considered carcinogenic to humans. These recommendations are, however, primarily based on observational studies that are at high risk for confounding and thus are limited in establishing causal inferences, nor do they report the absolute magnitude of any possible effects. Furthermore, the organizations that produce guidelines did not conduct or access rigorous systematic reviews of the evidence, were limited in addressing conflicts of interest, and did not explicitly address population values and preferences, raising questions regarding adherence to guideline standards for trustworthiness. In this paper, they re-examined both the claim that red meat is probably carcinogenic and the data behind the claim and they discussed very transparently how they went about forming their panel in a way that protected against conflicts of interest as much as possible, how they designed their five systematic reviews in a way that accounts for the strength of the evidence so that they could produce trustworthy recommendations, and they made their case for why they believe their analysis has merit and also where they believe it had limitations. For example, they state very explicitly, the panel chose to exclusively focus on health outcomes, 
because environmental and animal welfare concerns are very different issues that are challenging to integrate with health concerns, are possibly more societal than personal issues, and vary greatly in the extent to which people find them a priority. After considering all-cause mortality, major cardiometabolic outcomes like cardiovascular mortality, stroke, myocardial infraction, and diabetes, cancer incidence and mortality for gastrointestinal, prostate, and gynecologic cancer, and numerous other factors they discuss, their final conclusions were the suggestion that adults continue current unprocessed and processed red meat consumption due to the fact that meat consumption is unlikely to be a causal factor of adverse health outcomes. I highly suggest reading through this paper yourself. There's a lot of interesting detail that goes deeper than what I've shared here. But the point is that the carcinogenic claims for meat in the 2015 IARC report are pretty absurd. And the other thing that really gets me is that if we're going to play the epidemiology game, there are many other epidemiological studies that show no association between increased meat consumption and negative health outcomes. And there are even some that show a positive association between meat consumption and improved health outcomes. In one study of Asian populations, they concluded, our pooled analysis did not provide evidence of a higher risk of mortality for total meat intake and provided evidence of an inverse association with red meat, poultry, and fish slash seafood. Red meat intake was inversely associated with cardiovascular disease mortality in men and with cancer mortality in women in Asian countries. In another study where they followed about 1,000 colon cancer patients for a period of up to eight years, they concluded in their findings, intake of unprocessed red meat or processed meat was not associated with risk of cancer recurrence or death or overall mortality. And in another study of 63,000 men and women in the UK, they sought to examine cancer incidence among vegetarians. And they say in the conclusion, the incidence of colorectal cancer was higher in vegetarians than in meat eaters. Funny how these meat-positive epidemiological studies don't seem to get as much attention in the media. Another side of this meat-causes-cancer claim is the nitrate and nitrite narrative. You may have heard the notion that you should limit your consumption of cured meats like bacon and hot dogs because of their nitrate content. Nitrates and nitrites are natural chemical compounds that are used to cure meats and are necessary to make things like bacon, sausage, and hot dogs. You need those nitrates to give those meats their distinctive cured taste. I remember one time I had special ordered some nitrate-free bacon, and it looked like bacon. It was thin strips of pork belly that were smoked and seasoned with salt. Well, let me tell you, it didn't taste like bacon. It tasted like slightly smoky pork belly. And it's because the nitrates in the curing process give a distinctive flavor. And without those nitrates, it doesn't really taste like bacon. What's funny to me about this narrative that we should limit our consumption of hot dogs and bacon because of their nitrate content is that the average person is getting the vast majority of their nitrates from plant foods because fruits and vegetables have way more nitrates than a hot dog. I've linked to a paper in the show notes, and there's a bar graph in section two of the paper that charts the dietary nitrate intake for France and the UK. And only 6% of dietary nitrates were from animal-based products, while 75% of dietary nitrates came from vegetables and fruit. In another paper I've linked to, they say that approximately 80 to 85% of human exposure to nitrates comes from vegetables. There is an abundance of scientific papers that list out some of the highest nitrate content plant foods like celery, carrots, spinach, bok choy, cabbage, beets. You can take a look at those. And a side note here, if you've ever bought bacon or hot dogs and it says on the package, no nitrates added, nitrate-free, 
turn it over and see if celery powder or celery juice is on the ingredients list. This nitrate-free bacon is not nitrate-free, despite what the packaging says. They're just adding nitrates via celery. And to get an idea of scale for comparison, a hot dog has around 10 milligrams of nitrates, while a cup of spinach has about 140. We're talking completely different scales between cured meats and what's naturally occurring in vegetables. And yet no one is running any campaigns that you should avoid celery, spinach, or cabbage because of cancer. So if nitrates do cause cancer, worrying about cured meat is laughable because tremendously more nitrate is consumed from vegetables. With that aside, what even is the deal with nitrates? What's interesting is that nitrates are actually not inherently carcinogenic. It's more about if they react with other compounds and how that can form carcinogens. And there's a lot of nuance to this. For example, it's discussed in a few of the papers I've linked to that antioxidants, which are in meat, by the way, can completely inhibit the generation of nitrosamines, which are considered to be the harmful breakdown product formed by the reaction of nitrites and secondary amines. I am not convinced that nitrates are necessarily bad, but even if they are, because I'm no longer shoveling in the spinach and kale, I'm consuming far less nitrate compounds than ever before anyway. I don't even eat more cured meat on carnivore than I did eating a conventional diet. One last thing that I want to throw into this episode, and I know that some people will dismiss this notion, but I have to point out that from an evolutionary perspective, the idea that meat causes cancer does not make any sense in light of our dietary history as humans. Humans ate fatty meat almost exclusively for 2 million years, and there are still populations now that eat almost exclusively animal foods. And do they have rampant amounts of cancer? No. Cancer in the amounts we're seeing today are a reflection of modern Western life. Cancer at the rates we're seeing now didn't exist before modern times. The American Cancer Society estimates that males have a 40% risk of developing cancer in their lifetime. Females have 39% risk. And some people say that maybe this is because we're living longer. Maybe there wasn't as much cancer in previous times because people died earlier from other things. I don't buy this argument. There are many examples of indigenous populations who were very animal food-based, who had virtually no disease, and when they started eating modern Western foods, rates of disease and cancer exploded. Can I say that meat does not cause cancer? Of course not. No one can prove that, and I don't know if that's true. But there is no good science that shows that meat does cause cancer, when on the other hand, there is tremendous scientific evidence in controlled settings that shows that plant-based foods we are eating have rampant amounts of carcinogens. You might remember from episode 13, I talk about the compounds in plant-based oils like soybean oil, corn oil, and sunflower oil. And there are literally hundreds of toxic oxidative compounds, aldehydes, free radicals, and degraded triglycerides, H&E, acrolein, that have literally been demonstrated to be cytotoxic and genotoxic. They kill your cells, damage DNA, and cause mutations and cancer. Aldehydes are strongly demonstrated to be carcinogenic, cancer-causing. This is the cooking fat that is in pretty much every food you come across today. It's what all the restaurants use. It's in nearly all processed snacks and food products. But it's also what they use to cook with even in the Whole Foods fresh food case. A lot of people think they're getting something healthy because of where they're buying it. But no, these oils are everywhere. And the average person has no idea of this reality. Yet virtually everyone has heard the claim that meat causes cancer. This is mind-blowing to me. Next time you hear someone repeat the claim that meat causes cancer, push back. Ask them to explain what scientific basis they have for that claim. 
What's amazing is that oftentimes people say something like this, but they don't actually have the data to back it up because there isn't any real data to back it up. It's usually just something they've heard and repeated. And it's very human and easy to fall into this. I'm sure I've done this many times in my life. But doing the research that I have in this field, actually looking at where these claims are coming from, has taught me to be careful to not repeat things I've heard without actually looking into it first myself. And I think it's always a good thing when we hear others repeating claims like this that we ask them, tell me more. Can you articulate that? And then share what you understand the truth to be. You can possibly prompt someone to go back and re-examine something like that. And I believe that questioning is just a really great life practice. So thank you for being here, for coming along with me on this journey of questioning the mainstream narratives and the anti-meat claims. Because I believe that for many, these anti-meat narratives are harming people and keeping them from the health that they deserve. I encourage you to read through some of the papers in the show notes and also do your own research. But I hope you can see that the claim that meat causes cancer is unfounded. It is just another flavor of the anti-meat agenda. Thanks for listening to The Road to Carnivore. Follow me on Instagram with the handle The Road to Carnivore, all one word, for a continuation and expansion of this podcast. I'll share cooking tips for meat, practices I do for aligning with my body, life pleasures that aren't focused on food, and everything else that supports meat and carnivore. I'll see you there. 